we taking a shot up in the tailgate yep. lot yep. with a stadium view. Woo! What a great spot. Damn it, I've been waiting all week. Right. Counting down the days till I'm back in my seat. Till I'm back in my seat. Back on the boulevard, Thursday, March 30th, as always, here to prove to you there is no such thing as football season. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. You know what that means, folks. Friday night lights on tap, but it won't be Coach Taylor's Dylan Panthers hosting a game in Texas. No, rather, Bob Stoops and the Arlington Renegades. And while we've enjoyed the Thursday night football, Monday night football, those are more the traditional days. Have we ever, Zook, played a professional football game on a Friday? The XFL making history. And again, a jam-packed sports weekend. We got the Final Four, WrestleMania, opening day of MLB was today, and the XFL on top of all that, less than 24 hours till kickoff for the Seattle Sea Dragons. So let's bring in the producer, director, and owner of the humble abode we call Studio Z, Chris Zook, Ben DiNucci's return to Dallas tomorrow night. Yeah. Ben DiNucci, I don't know if you know Zook, we have to get you a hat. He has a brand called True Brand, and his design is Dallas, just script text, upside down. It's sold a killing. I got reports from Sea Dragons practice today that the whole Seattle team is wearing these. Okay. So Ben DiNucci, beloved in the city of Dallas? Homecoming for Ben. Hopefully he throws less picks than he did when he was there. (sighs) See, Ben DiNucci... You can't have anything here on this show. I'm sorry. There's always the pessimist Zook to keep you grounded. Listen, I'm riding and dying dragons, but... You got a point. The guy turns the ball over. Well, on tonight's show, a massive tilt in Houston. The Roughnecks looking to escape that two-game losing streak, and the back half of the schedule, we mentioned it before, is not very easy for Houston. They got to play Orlando twice in the first five games, now running into some tough teams, and they have made a few key additions down the stretch here. We're going to get to those in our preview. Also have Friday Night Football, like we mentioned, Seattle and Arlington, plus our two Saturday games as the XFL playoff race continues to heat up. We have Mike Ryan, XFL expert from the Dan Lebitard Show, joining us to talk everything XFL. We fielded all subscriber questions and ran a little bit of a XFL press conference as if Mike was the commissioner, which the XFL has a president, they have a chairwoman, don't really have a commissioner like that Oliver Luck role back in 2020. So my vote is for Mike Ryan, especially after seeing that interview. What else do we have? Uh, some numbers that are disagreeing with our power poll from the odds makers this week. I was a little confused, but Using the lessons that we've learned through these first six weeks, we're going to take advantage of those to put together another winning card on the boulevard for you guys in week seven. Remember, D.C., only team so far to cover every week. And I'm riding that train all the way to the title parade. You already know that. We're going to Constitution Avenue in D.C. Quick scheduling note, by the way, before we get into the show, Zook. Um, Wanted to cover this before we jump in. So I was talking to some of the folks down at Walters in D.C. Uh, It looks like D.C. United the soccer club that shares Audi Field with the Defenders. They're booked for Saturday night, April 29th, for a 7.30 p.m. start. That's the same exact time as one of the two XFL semifinal slots. So 
with DC up two games in the North, not to look too far ahead, but likely hosting a playoff game, it basically locks them in to that Sunday three o'clock spot, unless they're going to move DC United, which I don't understand why they would do that when they could just put the defenders on Sunday. So keep that in mind. The Nats are also hosting, I believe, the Pirates that weekend across the street at Nats Park. So little note for my DC people out there, going to be one hell of a weekend if DC uh, can host a playoff game. Make sure you drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel. Our PS5 pick them up and running. We've had seven full weeks of entries, and we finally hit our 30 entry mark, Zook. So 30 of you have gone four for four at least once in the XFL season. Some of you have done it multiple times. I think the top entrant, we'll save his name, he's a friend of the show, has three entries already. So if you're a newcomer to this, and if you go four for four three weeks in a row, you have a chance to tie that top entrant. So make sure you're getting your picks in. Those links are in the description. Again, if you go four for four, you get one entry to win a PlayStation 5. We're going to give that away after the XFL championship game. Taking a look at our standings as we do every show. If you're on podcast, DC on top of the North, unbeaten St. Louis and Seattle 4-2, and two, tied in the North. St. Louis holding the tiebreaker with that head-to-head win. Las Vegas is 1-5. and five. In the South side, Houston surprisingly one game up on the Arlington Renegades. Shocking to say, but Arlington's sitting there 3-3 three and three off a loss at San Antonio, who's 2-4. and four. And the Orlando Guardians seeking their first win. Won't get any easier this week as they run into D.C. So let's get into Friday Night Lights. Like I said, Ben DiNucci back in the D. We talked about the true brand hats. A lot of guys are rocking those in practice. And whether it's upside down or not, you can't spell Dallas without two L's. And Seattle could make this back-to-back losses for the Arlington Renegades, which would be really tough for them to recover from in the playoff race. I expressed all my gripes with Seattle's offense in our last show. And now that I've learned not to lay the points with them, I want to just take a look at the matchup and how they look against this Renegades defense. Number one offense with Seattle and June Jones. Number one defense with uh, Jay Hayes and the Arlington Renegades. So great matchup. The Renegades have managed to allow under 1,000 yards through the air through six games. Only XFL team to do so. Um, Last two games, now they have played San Antonio, who has started four different quarterbacks and is about to call Mikey Manziel with some of the injuries they have. But you have to give Arlington credit for the numbers they've put up. Um, you have to give credit that secondary, mostly. They were massive down the stretch in week one. You remember Devontae Bosby basically won the game on a pick six for them. They lost Josh Hawkins, who just went through ACL surgery today. Saw some tweets from Josh. He was about to be an all-XFL corner at the midseason and uh, will not play the rest of the season with that ACL. Looks like he had successful surgery. Shakur Brown and Joe Powell have stepped up huge. To replace him. Those guys did not start at the beginning of the season. Um, Will Hill, another vet who's been excellent in that uh, back part of that Arlington defense. Some injury notes here for the Seattle offense this week. Juice Ellison back in practice. I read some reports today that he was getting some goal line work, so that's good news. He has a banged up knee, missed the last few games. Um, Seattle's run game has been completely ineffective since they've been missing him. Darius Bradwell just not able to get going. Uh, they are missing their left tackle, Liam Jimmins, again for the second straight week. Mike Minette had an injury. Left guard looks like he will play. Um, Seattle's run game went from being number two in the XFL to number four. So they've fallen off a bit. Um, 
Got to be better in the red zone. The reason I didn't want to lay the five here is because of that red zone inefficiency. Uh, teams have started to figure out a little bit how to cover Jacor Pearson in the slot. He hasn't been able to get open as much. Um, Josh Gordon and Jacor Pearson combined have only had 11 catches in the last two games. Seattle's still toting that top pass offense, but they're fourth in scoring, which is a little strange for me to have the number one total offense, but only have the fourth most points. Uh, Ben DiNucci. So Arlington, Zook alluded to it in the beginning of the show. Arlington has picked off seven balls this year. Um, six different players have recorded an interception for Jay Hayes' defense. That's huge. Donald Payne, second in the league in tackles. He's a force in that front seven. But I think DiNucci has really wanted to play a game in Dallas here for a long time. Obviously, he was with the Dallas Cowboys, got his shot with them, and he was a very popular quarterback online. Uh, for his efforts, Arlington defense, really tough, though. Second in scoring, they're the top pass defense, and they got some dogs in that secondary. If you take care of the ball and you punch it in inside the red zone, I'm giving the edge to the Seattle offense here, as I have all year. Finding the edge on the other side of the ball is very simple. Arlington, just disastrous offensively, and the first major change they make is to get rid of quarterback Kyle Sloter. Final XFL 23 stats for Kyle. Let's run through them. 61 of 101, 499 yards, one touchdown, four picks. Uh, Pat Rafino, friend of the show, pointing out to us on Twitter that Luis Perez, now with the Renegades, actually threw more touchdowns to Arlington than their own quarterback Kyle Sloter did. He also took six sacks. Um, his QB rating was 59.8. That was 10 points lower than Jack Cohn. So it just did not work out for Sloter like it did in the USFL for him. So Luis Perez now a renegade, but Bob Stoops, of course, saying he's not going to be ready this week. Drew Plitt and Kevin Anderson running the show here against Seattle. One thing to keep an eye on, I saw this, six defensive starters listed on the injury report for Seattle this week, and some big names. you got a Tuzar skipper on there, Bryce Thompson, Sharif Miller, Nico Lelos. We'll have to monitor that. Jim Hazlitt can't be happy about his guys getting banged up here, and, and most of them listed as questionable, so they could go. But if all those guys miraculously just don't play, could be tough. Arlington might have a chance here to put some numbers up offensively, but they've just been stuck in neutral all season. Seattle, even if they have to rely on some backups, I don't care. The Seattle Sea Dragons are the pick. We know who Chris Zook's going with. Any notes, news on this one? Are you worried about it? You think they cover? A thought on the maybe the total at 37 and a half? I mean, money line all day. I'm not willing to lay minus five. And just kind of piggyback what you were talking about earlier. Red zone, red zone scoring. They're just not there. Too many turnovers. I like a money line. I'm not laying any points. Yeah, we've seen Arlington make other teams pay, especially when they get down to the red zone. Mikey Manziel probably make it the three for three on Seattle here. I think it's clear who the better team is in this matchup. You don't have to think too hard. Again, we have not really seen that big upset this year where one of the bottom four knocked off one of the top four. So Seattle looking to avoid that. Remember, a lot of people think this is a road game. No, it's not. They came back from their game uh, against Orlando on a Saturday back into the hub, and they've been there to practice all week. So they don't have to travel. So not much of a home field advantage built into this for the Arlington Renegades. 
Moving on to Saturday, Heinz Ward keeping those playoff hopes alive for the San Antonio Brahmas, even at 2-4. and four. Uh, They delivered in a must-win spot against those Renegades last week. And now you head out to the desert. And listen, we've illustrated the imbalances between the XFL North and the XFL South divisions this year. And I think it's really what it comes down to. A lot of you probably saying, is that a typo in that graphic there? Minus three, Vegas? It's not. Even though the Vipers are one in five against the spread, one in five overall, Still the favorite here. Remember, they were a favorite against D.C. week two as well. Not to not go their way. They mustered six points last week and just traded their starting quarterback. So clearly, the odds makers have no respect for the XFL South. And I think it's kind of justified that division has just not performed. So injury reports for the San Antonio offense. Jack Cohn back at practice in limited fashion. So if he plays, that gives him three options between Cone, Jawan Pass, who started last week, and Kurt Bankert, who saw action, who just joined the team. I'm not sure really of what to make of that. I don't know if San Antonio has announced a starter. To my knowledge, they have not. Um, big opportunity for whoever does get this start because Vegas is the worst defense in the league. Not close on that. They give up 223 through the air and 136 on the ground. In a league where rushing, really, D.C. is the only team that can effectively run the ball. So, given up, I know they played D.C. twice. That probably inflates those numbers. But Jack Cohn solidifying that starting role back in week two. Remember what he did against Orlando. They had 30 points in that game. One was a block punt touchdown. The other ones were Jack Cohn. He threw for three touchdowns. That's the game where he took over for Reed Sinet. So, if somebody can do the same and impress Heinz Ward here between pass and banker, I think maybe they take the keys to this engine. The rest of the season, I think it's going to end up being Kurt. Uh, definitely the most experienced option in that quarterback room. We'll see if TJ Vasher and Fred Brown can provide him some options. They're two stud receivers, especially Vasher. Seen some acrobatic catches for him. We'll get into that San Antonio defense just flying around. As far as the running game, uh, not good news for OC Jimmy Johnson, who had his running back, Kalen Balaj, moved to the IR. Really, last two weeks saw a lot of these stars. Go to the IR. John Trey Kirkland talked about Josh Hawkins, now Kalen Balaj. Uh, Reed Sinet, another one for San Antonio, who's arguably the most injured team in the league. Really tough to see Balaj go. He was a guy expected to get back to the league. So Jaquez Patrick and John Hillman, they'll get to go behind this kind of makeshift offensive line, who has struggled to find consistency, and it didn't help when their starting left guard, Maya Tehuma, went down. He is not practicing with an ankle. Um, with all that said, we have yet to see an offense that has not been able to score on Vegas. They've given up either high twenties or low thirties the last four weeks. Um, like we said, one in five overall, one in five against the spread. They do have great players on defense between PETA and Max Roberts. They could cause some trouble for that San Antonio offensive line who has not been good. But you have Adam Sparks and Deontay Anderson, two guys in the secondary injured. They probably will play, but they're banged up. So I give a slight edge to the Brahma's offense. I can't believe I'm saying that. They're last in the league in scoring. I think they only have 88 points this year or something like that. So tough, but I can't, I can't, I can't back this Vegas defense. Flipping sides of the ball is where it gets a bit interesting. Look at this Vegas offense. Fifth in the league total, third in passing, seventh in rushing. Um, Jalen McClendon. 
announced as QB1 after Vegas said farewell to Luis Perez. Here's a little bit on McClendon. He was assigned here as part of that quarterback assignment in the offseason. 6'5", 215. He's a fourth-year pro out of Baylor where he was in Waco. I think he only started one game there. I lost the job to Charlie Brewer, came in in relief duty. Spent the early days of his college career in Raleigh at NC State. ACC backed up Jacoby Brissett. Um, So he's backed up some good quarterbacks. He's probably a name you remember if you followed the XFL in 2020. Remember, he was the backup to uh, Josh Johnson for the LA Wildcats. And he came over to the Vipers along with Director of Player Personnel Joey Klinkscales and Social Media Director Dylan Mooney. So that LA to Las Vegas pipeline, if you're watching, Dylan, we're repping that, always repping that. Um, You could potentially see a starting quarterback matchup of guys who spent basically the entire season inactive as third stringers if we get McClendon against Pass. This is what the XFL is all about. This is opportunity central for these guys to prove themselves and start the rest of the season. But I think it's going to be a tough afternoon for Jalen McClendon because that Brahma's defense is for real. Credit Jim Herman and Joey Porter for the job they've done. They have stars at every level. We saw Delonte Scott strip sack on Drew Plitt. That was the difference in winning that game. Jordan Williams, probably the top linebacker in the XFL, took that one to the house. I know he leads in solo tackles. And then think about the secondary. Luke Barco has been locked down as they get. Teddy Adewusi picks in, in back-to-back weeks. Number five, the real deal, some of these guys. The Brahmas have a damn good defense, and this is why San Antonio is going to be the pick for me here this week, Zook, and I know I haven't taken a lot of underdogs, right? I think Vegas has given you a model where you can pick the favorites straight up without worrying about the number, and you could be pretty safe. And we've done well, Zook, in our straight picks. We'll get the record to you at the end of the year. We don't really track it. We can go back on it. But San Antonio, definitely one of the few underdogs that I'm willing to pick straight up. And again, goes back to my power rankings. I've got them at five. I've got Vegas at seven. I don't know how they find points against this defense, Zook, and I don't think you've picked Vegas once all season. I picked them against Orlando. (laughs) See, I forget they play Orlando. We really count that. Well, you said I haven't picked. That's it, true. I, did. I, I am an absolutist. Zook going Brahmas. I am taking the Brahmas. Mikey's been higher on them this year, but, you know, he's going with the hometown Vipers and they're one in five. You know, Vegas has such promise, like their skill position players. John Lovett, Sinq Sweeting, Jeff Bidette. Got some guys, Martavis Bryant, Geronimo Allison, and on defense. They have NFL guys in PETA and Max Roberts and. They got got good players, but they can't come together as a team. They got good players, uh, but they're a poor team, and poor teams find a way to lose. Yeah. And that's what they've done all season. So that's Can we talk about this for a second? Sure. How much do you think this falls on Rod Woodson? Is this a coaching thing, or is this just guys who can't click? Like, do you really trade? So you trade Luis Perez. So now you've gotten rid of your OC, gotten rid of your quarterback. Is it a lot of finger-pointing? At guys who aren't the problem. Potentially. I mean, he doesn't have that locker room. That's my opinion on it. And that's part of... You almost wonder, like, you see Orlando coming together. Sure. And even though they're losing, good effort against Seattle. Dormady's laying it out in the line. I haven't seen, like, the effort from Vegas. Right. 
it just seemed, I mean, they get absolutely blown out by St. Louis. They didn't have a pulse. They punted their first four drives. I just, I don't know. I don't know how you confidently lay three with Vegas here. It seems like the sports books are kind of married to the Vipers. Maybe it's a hometown thing. I, th- yeah, I don't know. I feel like they're. This uh, is the last home game, by the way, in Cashman. Yeah, I don't. I Will don't Mikey Manziel make an appearance? We know he's been back and forth between Studio Z and uh, Sin City. <laughs> One last chance for the Sergeant of the Snake Pit to get out there. It's a Saturday game, this 12 is, o'clock local kick. My opinion, this is yeah. a game to stay away from if you're betting. But Thank you, Zook, for burying my future best bet. A little foreshadowing there. <laughs> I think it's a good time to take a break. Make sure you like the video. Subscribe to the channel. Got some great content coming for you down the stretch, including a piece we did with the XFL expert, Mike Ryan of the Dan Lebitard show. We posted this on our YouTube channel a couple days ago, but didn't get the chance to share it in our show. And we took questions from everywhere, from Vegas to Orlando, all fans and all sorts of XFL teams for Mike, who I must say our subscribers acted like Mike Ryan was the commissioner of the XFL when they asked him some of these questions, but he was great, and we hope to have him on in the future. But for now, enjoy Mike Ryan, and we'll be back to break down the rest of the games, give you our best bets here on Spring Ball Boulevard. Welcome to Spring Ball Boulevard. We have Mike Ryan of the Dan Lebitard Show, Meadowlark Media. Mike, we'll take an opening statement and then field some questions for you here. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, thank you, all fans of Spring Ball. I, uh, I'm honored for this invite. Uh, and quite honestly, the, the rhetoric this week among spring football fans has been quite toxic. I think now is the time for unity because there is a wide enough lane here for all forms of spring football to thrive as long as we help each other and support each other and really disappointing turn of events from the USFL this week to initiate a beef where there was none. I can foresee a future where the leagues come together and form a a, a mega force of spring football. And instead we're having these petty disagreements that really have nothing to do with the XFL. The XFL was just operating in its own silo, hoping to get to year two, which as everyone knows has been the biggest hurdle this league has ever faced. And now because of USFL, has cleared such a hurdle, they feel like they can talk. And it's very disappointing because I'm very much on the side of unity. Beautifully said. We're going to hop right into questions here. Zach wanted to ask Mike Ryan, Mike, should I feel bad for declining my cousin's wedding invitation to see the beer snake in person? Not at all. Not at all. And I actually have a similar conundrum. One of my friends is getting married the day of the XFL championship, and he's a a passionate XFL fan. He set the state before he knew there would even be an XFL championship game. And I'm I'm really disappointed. Uh, I told them to push back the the wedding, at least, so we could all watch it at a bar together. And he at least accepted that bit of bargaining. Unfortunately, I won't get to be in San Antonio, but the beer snake is something to behold in person. I'm hoping to make it out there this year. I have a standing invite. I cannot wait to uh, experience that Audi Field atmosphere. I say, yeah, it depends on how close the friend is, but 
Fear Snake. Fear Snake. And speaking of that XFL championship game, I, I don't know what goes in. I get it. It's a professional football league, so you have to have your title game at a neutral site. But they could have done it somewhere else. I think they could have had it like uh, XFL North and South. We do like the old coin toss alternative from 2001 where the division champions just run to the football and whoever yeah. lands on like you, you got to have it. Cause San Antonio is great. Don't get me wrong, but you're going to have do XFL fans travel. I will. Yeah. You will. We'll, <laughs> we'll find out. I, I guess. Uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of curious. I do like the, uh, the idea that tip of the hat's a version one, uh, but I don't know in today's climate, if anybody can get away with that, but you know, just like a one-off, uh, I guess there's things that, that they have to mobilize and logistics that they have to have in place. San Antonio, it, it's a shame that the Brahmas have been disappointing. And maybe now with a quarterback change, they'll, they'll play a little bit better. But that market has a ton of potential. For the first week, it was a pretty electric atmosphere. Uh, I'm inclined to say St. Louis or, or, or D.C. deserve it, just based off of how those, those atmospheres feel. I, I guess they probably want more capacity than than Audi Field has to offer. Uh, it'll be interesting. I, I think that it depends on the teams that make it to the, the championship game, right? I, I think St. Louis fans will travel. D.C. fans have proven that they, they'll travel. There was a pretty solid contingent out in St. Louis. I think Seattle is promising, and I think that they probably have a higher ceiling than most people would assume given their record right now. I think that they have a, a shot to make that game. So it, it I guess it all depends on the teams. Uh, it's kind of weird that the Texas teams are really struggling considering the advantages that they have being base camp. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the same thing. Um, Derek wanted to ask here, Mike Ryan, would you rather watch a full day of NFL red zone or a full day of Dean Blandino reversing calls? Oh my God. I, I can't say in the Blandino experience how it's Blandino came into this and everyone thought, yeah, Blandino's pretty solid at this. And then just horrible decisions on week one. And I haven't been able to forgive him that, that Paxton Lynch probably Orlando probably was worse for that call in retrospect because they had to stick with Pac, Paxton Lynch longer because he was given a touchdown that should have been an interception red zone all day than Blandino fumbling around and ruining his legacy. <laughs> Adam wants to know here, Mike, who is the PJ Walker of XFL 3.0, the guy that all of us XFL diehards are going to root on when they make the league next year or in the future? Uh, okay, so PJ Walker was a quarterback, so let me split this up. I think JPZ is probably a next-level weapon, and there's reports that the Broncos are interested that guy can get separation on anybody. So he, he's a he's an NFL player. I don't laugh at this one because I've gone. I think there's been such a baby face turn with Ben DiNucci. I love it when he fumbles a football. Anytime he fumbles a football, my group chat has to chug. And so he's a he's a he's a legend. But I do think I see the potential in Ben DiNucci. I don't want to sound ridiculous because he was a bit of a punchline early on. But when it's cooking. He looks the part, and then he'll do something so goddamn stupid. It'll make you want to pull your hair out. But I see why the NFL liked him. I really do. So I think Ben DiNucci has has a shot at the next level as well. Yeah, and you know MVP is a quarterback award, and that's exactly what all the 
experts are saying Ben DiNucci is the, the betting favorite for XFL MVP right now, regardless of him throwing seven interceptions and four fumbles in five games. Uh, yeah. Ben DiNucci, the front runner. <laughs> the, the, that's a Ben DiNucci experience. I get excited when he drops the ball for no reason. <laughs> and he's got he's got wheels. He's got or he's throws got a, a pick. Throws yeah, a pick up nine. <laughs> I I I love the Ben DiNucci experience. He's way more mobile than people would think. And John, I think people point to his weapons. Pearson's obviously a, a good one. He's got a good sound running game. Josh Gordon is a hilarious watch because dude just. He creates separation just with his shoulders and his width. Is he's not at all the same player. Watching him run that one into the end zone, that like seventy-yard bomb to win the game, was kind of painstaking. But Danucci, I think Pearson and Danucci are really interesting NFL prospects. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris wanted to know what is more likely: the Guardians winning a game, or <laughs> Seattle going for a one-point conversion. <laughs> <laughs> uh guardians always three a- always three in seattle <laughs> yeah I, I think i think guardians winning winning the game and it, it was frustrating because anybody that had watched the orlando guardians and i don't blame anybody for tuning out on their games um they're the, the least watchable team they finally found their quarterback and unfortunately it was a quarterback that they tried to kick off the team but they moved the ball and i don't know how much of that was vegas but they look like they're starting to come online and they finally settled on on a quarterback there so i think they'll be able to steal one yeah quentin dormity i mean yep. what about adversity you, you sit go. for a couple of weeks you get your name dragged through the mud you're selling the playbook allegedly and then you're back you go 22 for 25 256 yards you almost win i think if they if he starts that game over lynch they probably do win dude so. don't you think it's a byproduct of just having these teams fly together people talk and the accusations fly when he's just like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get into the game this week. That's really what was at the heart of it. And that's why he was cleared. And they shot themselves in the foot by not having him out there because he actually unlocks a lot of their weapons. I, entering this season, I had high hopes being a university of Miami guy for Charleston Rambo. I thought that he probably hurt himself by entering the NFL. He actually ended up going undrafted saying in college would have been better for him, but he has a lot of talent. And he's just been in a terrible offense and Dormady seems to have some kind of rhythm with him. So I'm hoping just for my uh, UM fan homerism to see more of Charleston Rambo out there. Yeah. It's funny that you bring Rambo up. Uh, we had a question from Ben. He said, he'll give you three XFL players. You just named one. He wanted you to name their college. So you got yeah. Rambo. That was yeah. one of them. Trent Harris yeah. is the next one. Yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, I'm like, come on, Ben. It's too easy. <laughs> yeah, Tayama went to Ole Miss. Eric King went to Miami. Um, there, I already like ran it up. On how about me. how about Joe Powell of the Arlington Joe? Renegades? Any clue there? No. Where did Joe Powell go? Globe Tech. <laughs> is that an online school? <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine, Mike Ryan. Globe, Globe Tech repping in the Globe? XFL. Globe Tech. I have no idea. I love this league. Um, Going on here, this is a good one from Steven. If you could catch a fourth and 15 conversion from any XFL quarterback, who would it be? Any XFL quarterback in history through all three versions? Well, let, let, I don't know if the other two iterations had the fourth and 15, so let's just stick to this all right. one. <laughs> all right. Uh, Dear King, go Canes. Ooh, that, that'd be a good one because nobody he, nobody expects him to throw that on fourth yeah. and 15, so that'd be electric. Yeah. 
Uh, Joey says if the XFL could expand to one city, which I'm sure they will in the future, where will it be or where should it be? Um, so I know that the crowds weren't very good in the New York and LA market, but I think that, um, they're making their lives difficult by not having teams in those markets from a, a ratings perspective. There's a, there's a whole bunch of reasons. And I actually do think that they're promising stories and you can tell in year one, they're just trying a whole bunch of different things to see what works and what doesn't random Thursday games this week. We got a random Monday night game. FX, Network TV, ESPN2. There's no rhyme or reason to their television schedule. And for a viewer, that might be a little frustrating. But I, I kind of sat back and I said, oh, this is just data collection. They're they're just trying to find out what works. And I think one of the big missteps that they made was probably focusing on, on certain markets that they thought that they could get better attendance in, as opposed to opening up TV markets. To not have a team in the LA or New York market is difficult. You saw, granted, the USFL had a lot of things working for them, network TV being first and foremost. And they had teams associated with markets that didn't even play in those markets, right? They all played in the in the hub city. But you're more inclined to check out the XFL if you're a New Yorker or, or from Los Angeles if there is a local tie. So I hope for season two, provided we get there, which I'm hopeful we will, that they're going to put a team at least in LA, because that, that had a better attendance than uh, the antiseptic atmosphere of MetLife Stadium. Yeah, and I get the Vegas thing. You you want the partnerships that that opens. You want the sports betting, right? But obviously, it was a last-minute decision to go with Cashman yeah. Field. And yeah. they have – I mean, you've watched. They've made improvements over the week. The, first, the opening game was terrible. They've made some improvements over the weeks. People from there making good points. You know, it's the desert. We're not going to have quality grass. Like, it's tough. Uh, obviously, that was a last-minute decision. As far as the XFL's future in Vegas, uh, is that something sustainable? And is it is it Cashman Field? Is it somewhere else? Like, where do they go if they stay in Vegas? I, I don't really know what the options were, and I was curious to know where they were going to play. And they held that that location till the very last minute, as you said. It It is the only – atmosphere and orlando's doing this but i can largely blame the the play on the field for orlando um it's the only thing that comes off small time uh, it, it reflects on the television product and that's not that's not at all what you want to what you want to connote when uh when you're trying to have a largely made for television product so i don't really know what the the future holds for the vipers franchise they I'm going to make a really bad pun, but that Vipers franchise seems a little snake bit. Rolling right in here. Jackson says, will we ever see an XFL game go to overtime? That's an interesting question, right? Because these overtime rules are, are really cool. You have uh, one team on one end, one offense defense on the other. So you don't have to walk across the field. So yeah. It's kind of shootout style. I think it's two point conversions until one team gets to three, I believe. Yeah. Um, do you like those overtime rules? And and when will we finally see an overtime game? We have never seen one. Yeah, I, I would love to see one. I think Monday night probably has a has a shot at it. Um, but uh, I, it's a the one through three point after touchdown uh, options that the teams have that make it far more difficult to actually get to overtime. Um, but uh, it's it's an inevitability. That, that we'll see these 
um, certainly, is, especially if the league expands. What do you make of having every game go on? I was curious that they didn't try to pull simultaneous games. Just if, if this is all about data collection, having simultaneous games, it might be too difficult to have a, a red zone thing produce out of, out of nowhere. But I think that that experience might be cool. Have multiple games on like FX and ESPN2 and on the network feed have an XFL red zone type of product and seeing how that rates. I hope that the league probably considers that. Um, if not for year one, maybe year two, uh, they probably need more teams to do this. Yeah, I think when you talk about the USFL, <clears throat> obviously being able to kind of do whatever they want because they don't have to worry about their attendance. I think the mm -hmm. XFL, when they lease these venues to like, clearly what happened in Seattle with them having to play two Thursday games, I think it's big on data collection, but I'm not so sure Lumen Field may, may have like had dates open. It could be the same at the Dome in St. Louis, where St. Louis didn't play there for the first three weeks, simply because maybe the Dome was booked. Like yeah. this is a lease, like this isn't the home of the Battle Hawks necessarily. Like th these venues are leased out um, and I'm sure they have to work around like a bunch of different things that weren't expected. So I'm wondering if, if they have complete control to come in and say, Hey, we're the top priority here in these venues. So, you know, our TV schedule dictates when we're going to play kind of feels to me like the venues are dictating yeah, when they're going to play. That's an excellent point. And, and, you know, you get the, the press releases, I'm sure like <laughs> this, it's incredibly fluid. The XFL television schedule, it's basically flex scheduling the, the rest of the way. And, there might be several factors. It could be data collection like we the, like we outlined, but I think the, the lease agreements is probably closer to the truth. Yeah, actually, that leads into a question from Phil. Uh, Phil said, Mike Ryan, your Hurricanes, a potential to ruin a big sports weekend in Houston for me next weekend. I read that and I was like, what is he talking about? Well, mm -hmm. Phil says <clears throat> he plans on seeing the Houston Cougars win in the final four in Houston on Saturday night. Uh -huh. Then he's going to go see the Roughnecks beat the Battlehawks on Sunday yeah. and back on Monday to see the Houston Cougars win a national title. So none of that will happen for Phil uh, <laughs> if, the, if the Canes pull this off, but he's thinking ahead. I mean, that's another one where I looked at the XFL schedule. They actually double booked with the final four. And I'm like, this is crazy. The final four is in Houston. What are they doing? <laughs> like, yeah. So they move the game to Sunday. They, they must've just realized this. They moved the game to Sunday. And now you got fans like Phil who's like, yeah, I'm yeah. going to see the Roughnecks and the Cougars in the same weekend. Why not, right? Uh, yeah, well, I guess that's one of the pros to a very fluid scheduling approach. Uh, I hope my Canes ruin things for, what was it, Phil? Uh, yeah, Phil. Yeah, Phil, I, I, I hope that they ruin things beginning tonight in, in Kansas City on the on the men's side. And uh, De'Ara King can uh, at one point break your heart, um, your Roughnecks little heart. <laughs> Um, I love I'm a huge fan of Weapon X and uh, I, I I see you got the you're repping the defenders over there I think the defenders by far have the best quarterback situation in the league they 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 put to bed the the cliche that if you have two quarterbacks you have none because they use De'Ara King so well I was actually really high on Eric Dungy coming out of college and I would Making love special teams him. tackles out there how about that dude there was talk week one that there, there'd be packages that would see Tiamu, Dungy, and Andy Eric King all out there. And I'm really open to see more of that. If I'm a team like Orlando or, or any of the other teams out there that are having quarterback problems, I'd kick the tires on Eric Dungy. I think he's a real talent. 
Well, here's the problem with that. That leads into our next question. Josh says XFL players get a $1,000 bonus for every game they win. Uh, I thought about that. Guys like a, a TJ Stormont really getting into the weeds here. He was an <laughs> offensive lineman for DC. Uh, goes 5-0, and oh, so he gets the $5,000 in his paycheck. Then traded to Orlando. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's you got to feel for old TJ. <laughs> yeah, I feel for I feel for TJ. I feel for anybody that's uh, playing for Orlando right now. That is a pretty toxic atmosphere there. Just from the outside, I'm not I'm not inside, but the the, the season's gone about as poorly as one can imagine. And, and literally making less money now because yeah, of- <laughs> making make, making less money, and uh, I don't know, like. T Buck has had a very curious approach to these uh these sideline interviews and it's not necessarily rallying the troops. No, not at all. Um Josh also wanted to know if you were commissioner, would you bring back the million dollar game <laughs> from, <laughs> from 2001? That was a disaster. I'd, I'd, I'd probably adjust uh, for Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, we had one more here, and it's 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 as ridiculous as you can imagine from Craig. He says, Mike, I just dropped Brett Hunley. From my XFL yep. fantasy team. Good. Uh, th- that had to be real promising if you're in your draft and you're yeah. thinking, I got Brett Hunley. I mean, it, I the most expensive quarterback in the league. Yeah, getting paid 200K to now ride the pine. Yeah. Uh, well, he that's said, what happens when you go up against the King of Spring. Yeah. He said the only quarterbacks available on waivers, Paxton Lynch and Jack Cohn. Yeah, do you oh, have a preference? Pick up <laughs> Hunley again. You got you yeah. to just hope. You got to just hope. Uh, something happens to uh, Luis Perez because, uh, yeah, that's a dire situation over there. Uh, woo! Or just hope that someone trades for Eric Dungey. Kurt Bankert, I mean, I, I'm sure that whoever runs XFL Fantasy has not quite loaded Kurt Bankert's profile yeah. uh, into there yet. So maybe just wait until Kurt yeah, Bankert go, becomes go part of the Bankert. database. Yeah, I don't know if you're in an XFL Bankert. Fantasy League, but I literally have to wait. I get an email. And I have to wait to make any transactions until Tuesday. Like the league locks on Tuesday and like the website isn't capable of, of letting me do anything until the following Tuesday. It's hilarious, but Hey, I'm just glad we have XFL fantasy. It's not something I would have expected to have. We're yeah, like you I said, play, uh, we're, we're play, collecting I play, data. I play a daily fantasy um, yeah. game every where the, the low score has to endure one of several punishments, and uh, I look forward to building out that roster. I got high hopes for Charleston Rambo this week now that the quarterback position is a little settled. Absolutely. Well, that is Mike Ryan. Mike, we appreciate you championing the XFL. I mean, you do it every time. We, You're very reliable. The XFL expert, we love the content. The guys here on Spring Ball Boulevard were fired up that you were going to be coming on today. Thank you for answering some of their questions. We hope to have you back sometime around that XFL championship game. I hope it's my DC defenders in San Antonio. I already got my hotel and flight booked. Uh, if I have to go down and watch Danucci and the dragons, I will not be happy. So <laughs> here's to the, the DC defenders making the title. Thank you, Mike, for joining us today and uh, go hurricanes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. Go Canes. Love it. Thank you, Mike Ryan, for giving us all. An excuse to not attend a wedding during XFL season. Who in their right mind gets married during the most glorious 10 weeks of football you could ever ask for? Save that for NFL season. Come on.
on the championship game yet? If you were going to get married any day during the XFL season, it might be during this game. Our first double-digit spread of the entire year. Will this live up to it? Are we going to see a complete smashing by the D.C. Defenders, or is 10 points just too much? Let's tell you. Um, Defenders get a short turnaround. They're off the Monday night win, now heading to Orlando. Got to avoid the biggest upset in XFL history. How do you do that? Well, use the same balance you've used all season long. I know Reggie Barlow starts those meetings with Humble and Kind by Tim McGraw. Well, Humble and Kind, great mindset in a team meeting. Maybe not so much on the football field. Got to get nasty. Pound the rock. You want to pace it with that short pass. You got to blitz the hell out of Quentin Dormady. That's the winning formula. Looking at the D.C. offense, Monday night, it was the Lucky Jackson show, the former Western Kentucky Hilltopper out there. Breaking the XFL 2023 single-game receiving record previously held by Cody Latimer. He had 124 in Week 5. Lucky Jackson goes over that. 136. Now the high bar, and he did it on five catches. Jackson, surprisingly, now third in the entire league in receiving yards. And why does that surprise me? Well, because D.C. not known for their passing attack. In fact, they're sixth in the league in pass yards. So Lucky Jackson balling out here and it's pretty impressive abram smith what he was able to do fell just short of 100 yards really got going in the second half took his 100th carry of the season now has 527 yards and five scores that easily leads the league um really good to have rykel armstead back thought he played well even in short order eight touches for him kind of rehabbing off that injury monday night Um, He seems to be getting healthier. In fact, that's been the narrative for the entire D.C. offense. Think about the guys that were hurt. Between Armstead, Jazz Ferguson was on IR in training camp. Starting tight end Ethan Wolf was hurt. He's back now. And then up front, Mike Maietti, starting center. Ty Clary, one of the rotational guys, both back. So D.C. banged up at the beginning of the season, getting healthy right down the right time for this playoff run. Have to keep your fingers crossed that an injury bug doesn't bite as it has in places like Houston, San Antonio, and maybe even Seattle. Uh, Demarcus Hayes. Got to give Big 78 a shout out. He solidified himself as a great offensive tackle in this league. And this is a guy who did not start. Remember, Cody Conway was in that spot. He went down week two. Kyle Murphy has rotated between both tackle positions. But Demarcus Hayes, one of two. Georgia Bulldogs standouts on this team. He's got his guy on the other side of the ball. Quarterback nightmare, Davin Bellamy. Uh, Fred Kice got to be your front runner for offensive coordinator of the year for what he's been able to do. And I, I love the soundbite Coach K gave to ESPN. Um, apparently, in the production meeting, ESPN asked Fred Kice and Reggie Barlow if they were ready to go up against a legend in Wade Phillips. And Fred Kice, witty as ever responds sure but when we beat a legend what does that make our head coach <laughs> love it this is a winning mentality and um all his years that coach Kice has been an offensive coordinator he he coached some of the most prominent prominent offenses in the SWAC and the HBCU ranks nothing left to prove for this guy and he's still out there living the best years of his life living the dream And he's leading that D.C. offense to something special. Um, Orlando, you know, losing sucks, and I'm sure they're feeling demoralized. But 
they've had some of their best outings of the season. I thought the Seattle game, they put together something impressive. I thought if you're talking about improving, not just looking at wins and losses, but how you looked on the field, Orlando's getting there. Um, but it's just a tough spot because this is the last offense that you want to run up against if you're Orlando right now trying to get a win. Again, first in sacks allowed, that's not a good sign going against D.C. with Davin Bellamy and Reggie Northrup and those guys who have been just wrecking havoc in the front seven. Uh, Looking at the Orlando offense, I think they did play their best game of the season, as I mentioned, against Seattle. They had a 10-9 lead at halftime against what I think is a much better roster from a talent standpoint. Home again in Camping World Stadium on Saturday. Again, 90-degree temperatures to deal with. Devin Darrington, a very bright spot last week. What a run he had. Straight through the teeth of that Seattle defense, bouncing off guys. It it wasn't any kind of play that was drawn up to get him in space. It was just simply run up the middle, and Darrington housed it. And I'm sure he won you guys some money if you played him in DFS. He was a super low salary. And I know in the DFS that I do, uh, the guy who won the, the jackpot had Darrington on the roster. He had... What, seven touches, 82 yards, and two scores last week? Um, if the Guardians get behind, the trouble is they have to throw it. And Quentin Dormady did that 44 times against Seattle. I expect in this one, you're going to go down a couple scores. You probably have to do the same thing. Eight different guys caught passes for Orlando against Seattle. Dan Williams stood out to me a little bit. Remember, he was a former Tampa Bay Viper back in 2020. He signed with the Brahmas a few weeks ago. Gets let go there, now picked up. He's with XFL Florida again. But the edge clearly is the D.C. defense. And Orlando Zook has given up a league-high 23 sacks. We saw what Greg Williams can do. Can you imagine how brutal this is going to be for the Orlando offensive line? I mean, it's just going to be all night. Quentin Dormady showing off his legs, but not the most mobile guy. I think he'll be right around double digits. I could see... I don't know, 28 to 18, maybe a push here. But if D.C. gets a field goal from Matt McCrane, I could see them covering here. D.C. has been the pick for me all year. They're going to be again. And I think they'll get to 7-0 and against the spread. Zook is going chalk, and as well as Mike, we don't really have to give you the picks for this one, guys. Zook, any thoughts on D.C.? I talked about in the first segment hosting a playoff game. Do you think... At this point in the season, whether it's Seattle or St. Louis, obviously you think it's going to be Seattle, right? Is going to have to go through DC. Like, can we at least agree on that? I believe that. Yeah. Two games up with the tiebreaker, only sure. four games left. I mean, it would have to be a complete disaster for DC, and it doesn't look like they're a team that is going to face some random adversity. I mean, anything could happen. Well, you're not, but you're not gaining anything this week because they're playing Orlando, right? So there's another week gone. It's a nice little scrimmage, though. You know, trying to <laughs> get some guys in there who might have to play down the stretch. Sure. <laughs> get I mean, De'Ara King some reps, please. Come on. We need De'Ara King to play. I, I know they were trying to throw Houston off. but I don't know if I love the minus 10 on this. So, Like I said, I, I would, if I had an official score, I'm going 30 to 18. It's going to be close. You're going to have to sweat it. Why lay 10? I mean, it, you don't have to. There's other spots on this card. But, of course, I'm taking DC minus 10. I did not make it a best bet. We're going to show you our best bets later. I'm still riding with DC, just in a different capacity this week. You said this is the highest. Yeah, no double-digit spreads across the entire card. We've played, what, 24 games? Right. What was the highest? Nine Nine and and a half half. last week. 
Well, Vegas was a nine and a half point favorite against Orlando. Uh, Arlington was a nine and a half point favorite against Orlando. I think I got Houston at nine or nine. Houston and a was half. like eight and a half. Yeah, yeah so eight and a half. You're right. That number's been increasing on Orlando. You can still get the Orlando Guardians at uh, fifteen hundred to one to win the XFL championship. If any of you out there looking for a lottery ticket, is that all? Hey, they win four straight here, get in the playoffs. You never know. Maybe Cam Newton comes back to Orlando and just runs over everybody. Highly doubtful, but we can dream, Guardians fans. Now let's get to the game of the week here, folks. This is now in back-to-back weeks. Great job by the XFL scheduling department to give us the best game of the card. Save it for last. Two of the XFL's top teams squaring off, and this is actually the second number spread-wise that disagrees with our power poll. We talked about San Antonio being a dog out in Vegas. This is another one. I have St. Louis ranked two and Houston at four. So how much does the bounce back effect change this line? So let's really break down this line and get into what the odds makers are thinking. So in their six games, Houston has only been a dog once. That was Monday night against DC. Been a favorite five times. Remember, they lost as a favorite to Seattle. So they're four and two against the spread, just like they are overall. So what is it? That gives oddsmakers in Vegas confidence to make them a favorite here again. Well, there's the obvious one. They're desperate. The bounce back is very much so baked into these lines in every sport you can imagine. Teams off a loss that have good culture, not talking Orlando here, teams off a loss that have won before, right? We talked about maybe Wade Phillips off a loss, dig back into his NFL career. And you, you need to find that kind of information. But think about St. Louis. What did they do? Went out and lost to D.C. in, I think, twice in three weeks. Came back strong against Vegas. Only a three-point favorite. They win by 23. So some things that you might, that's the obvious part, right? What are things you might not realize about why this line is Houston minus three? Well, that's why you have Spring Ball Boulevard getting into the weeds of this for you. Two massive pickups at the receiver position for the Houston Roughnecks. They have to make an effort to replace John Trey Kirkland. He was the top target out for the season, chest injury. First addition, Ja'Cory Roberson. He'll wear 81 for Houston. He was inactive last week, and the Roughnecks haven't really given us consistent injury reports, so you're probably going to wait until about an hour and a half before kickoff on Sunday to see if Ja'Cory's playing. I think he should be ready at this point. Um, remember last week, nobody was really listed. And then 90 minutes before kick, Tim Ward's out. Sean Davis is out. It's like two of their three top defensive players. That would have been nice to know. Um, again, this is professional football. We need this information to decide what we're going to do with these bets. Um, anyway, back to Roberson two 1000 yard seasons as a Wake Forest demon deacon. I talked to somebody who was actually a recruiting assistant there in Winston Salem and they explained to me that Jaquari kind of took over as that top target in 2020. And then a name many of you know, if you watch college football, A.T. Perry came into the mix and Roberson became the number two option the following season before heading to the NFL, where he bounced around in training camps. Um, it seems like A.J. Smith and the GM here, Mark Lillibridge, are really going for guys that played in these high-volume passing offenses. Well, they're going to have a tough test because look at this Seattle pass defense. Second in the league 
They shut down Vegas, who can't air it out last week. So how much of an impact can Roberson really make? Well, think about the other guys on this team in the receiver position. Travel Harris played in a high-volume passing attack at Washington State. Cedric Bird, he was the same. He's starting to show out and, and catch some balls. He played at Hawaii. Deontay Burnett with Sam Darnold at USC. Now you get Roberson, and he was in a high-volume passing attack. Again, 1,000 yards, and that wasn't even the top receiver on his team. So this is a guy with a ton of experience, and he's super athletic. Next edition, Mike Mitchell of XFL News Hub reporting Michael Bandy, fresh off becoming an NFL free agent, will smash that glass ceiling, and he's going to become the first of his kind to jump out of the NFL, not get a deal in free agency. The, the tender didn't happen from the LA Chargers. Now he's coming to the Roughnecks. I don't think he'll be active this week. Um, AJ Smith was once with the LA Chargers, looking to add to an already prolific passing attack here. 10 catches for 89 yards in LA as, um, I think the fourth or fifth option for them. He threw some injuries and Keenan Allen was banged up and some other guys. He actually became the number two receiver for one of those weeks. And uh, Chargers fans remember that. So no matter what the Roughnecks decide to do at quarterback, whether it's Brandon Silvers, Cole McDonald, or kind of a joint um, two quarterback system that we saw last week, still a plethora of options to, uh, you know, attack this really underrated St. Louis pass defense, safety Ben DeLuca. Remember, he's on the IR, but they should get Mike Hampton back, and that will be big for them. He's been solid this year. Flipping sides of the ball, Battle Hawks O, Roughnecks D. I give Houston a slight edge offensively, but this is where I'm not so sure. This is a collision course right here. Um, Battle Hawks offense has been really good here. Houston just gave up 30 offensive points to D.C., is that an accurate representation going forward of their defense? Well, I don't think it is because the inactives came out before kickoff and without Tim Ward and Sean Davis, that's, that's tough. That's two heartbeats of your defense. So I actually doubled down on DC upon seeing that and it paid off. Uh, Roughnecks just weren't the same. They weren't themselves. I got a report that they actually didn't practice yesterday. So you have to think Monday night game, they get into Arlington from DC late on Tuesday. They're not going to practice Tuesday. I expected maybe a walkthrough on Wednesday, and I assume that's what they did, but not a full practice. So really only Thursday, Friday before Roughnecks have to fly back out and go to Houston. I guess probably a bus ride more likely from the hub. Um, looking at St. Louis, Marcel Aitman, a name that many of you know, he was the number one draft pick for the Battle Hawks. I actually took him on my fantasy squad as well. Back in the lineup. And Aitman is 6'4", and he was expected to be the number one receiver. Now you got Darius Shepard balling out. Hakeem Butler at 6'6", playing great, right? Now you add eight minutes into the mix. You already got Austin Prohl and Steven Mitchell. That's St. Louis receiving core, sneaky, sneaky good. And A.J. McCarron has been slinging it to them. So I give the advantage St. Louis. I'm relying on A.J. here. I don't understand this numbers look. A lot of the talent on the Houston roster but can you really expect guys like Roberson? Uh, he could be a star. Will he make enough of an impact? 11 on 11, right? These games are about more than just one player. So I'm taking another underdog outright this week, and I'm going St. Louis Battlehawks. And I know, even though you don't think they're going to make the playoffs, you agree with me here. And it's going to be painful for you to watch. You're actually rooting for a Roughnecks win, I would assume. I am. 
but your better judgment, right, gets your heart out of it and your head into it tells you battle hawks. Right. I think um, the big thing for me here is I'll take – I like the money line, so I'm taking a points. Yeah. Foreshadow. Smart guy. Um, <laughs> I just think Houston's secondary is susceptible to the long ball. We saw that, yeah. And If D.C. can pass on you. With the weapons you're just talking about? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't – It's going to be super tough, I think, to figure out this line like what is this going to do at kickoff we don't get injury reports from houston i rely on these when you have a league with not a lot of depth this is important like if you're going to wait on these numbers i know we tell you book them early get the best value you can like for example seattle opens minus four now all the way to five but what if ben denucci takes a hit in practice by accident gets hurt let's not talk like that okay Let's chill out. Well, he's not practicing anymore. He's done. They're, they got a Friday game, so they're off today. All right. So he's playing, but just a hypothetical, right? Why, why take the risk? Because that changes the game completely. St. Louis with A.J. McCarron, they don't have a backup. He goes out in the first snap. What do you do? Or even if he's inactive. So these injury reports matter. This is professional football. We get them in the NFL. It's tough in college, right? The coaches want to use that competitive advantage as much as they can. We need these injury reports. Don't bet this game until you see it. Um, I'd like to see Cole get the start. I think he. Commands, I think so too. I think he commands that offense a little bit better. Yeah, Brandon has that mm, smugness He's in a spiral. To him. We'll yeah. call it smugness. That's a nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he has control of that that huddle. So I'd like to see Cole. Right. Again, I think Zook, you and I, a lot of our preseason outlook came true. Outside of Arlington, they've been a dud for us. We thought they'd be a good football team. One of the biggest things that we called was just what you're saying. Cole McDonald having a higher ceiling, being better than Brandon Silvers, Silvers being more experienced, being ready. Are we seeing that shift? The change of guard in Houston, potentially. McDonald balled out, and he showed it's not just a running option. He can throw the ball. He's thrown it 5,000 times at Hawaii. We know he's a passing threat. Do not box Cole McDonald into a running quarterback. He's a dual threat option. And when you blitz Brandon Silvers, what happens? You're either going to turn it over, fumble it, or get a pick. Because he is not a mobile quarterback. McDonald can run around. And uh, we've seen Danucci do it. We've seen McCarron sneaky athletic, right? But Cole McDonald, watch out. Maybe that's why the odds makers go on minus three. Do they know something we don't? Is Cole McDonald about to have a breakout game in the XFL? AJ Smith, I'm sure would love to see it. We are battle hawks across the board, which scares me. Again, don't think home field advantage is much of an issue here. Weather looks good in H-Town. Roughneck fans, will you come out? You got the final four Saturday night, this on Sunday, Natty on Monday. Hope you come out and support the Roughnecks. And speaking of the Roughnecks and uh, TDECU Stadium, Boulevard Bowl Tour taking one final week off before we head back on the road week eight. We were thinking about heading to H-Town this week, but remember this game was actually moved from Saturday to Sunday, I assume, because they didn't realize the final four uh, would conflict with that. Can't do a Sunday game. Too quick of a turnaround for us. We got a Monday show. So itching to get back out there, and we are coming back week eight. Bang and hint. I can't give it away or else there'd be no point of the uh, production we do. So let's not give it away. And let's just say week eight, we're coming back on the Boulevard Bowl tour with a banger time for our favorite part of the show. Our week seven winners, eight and four against the spread for me, four and two for Zook. That is the same percentage. 
that makes us 12 for 18 as a show, I believe. Correct? Yeah, 12 for 18 as a show. Not so shabby, but could be better, right? So this is what I'm going to do this week. little unconventional way of thinking. I told you I will not lay the points with the Seattle Sea Dragons anymore. Three of five times they've been a favorite. They have not covered for me. Very good underdog. Ben Benucci, homecoming game, motivational spot. Arlington team reeling. Just lost to San Antonio. You got Drew Plitt starting at quarterback. You just got rid of Kyle Sloter. You're not going to have Luis Perez active. The offense has been miserable. I know. Seattle has some injuries on defense. I trust their depth. I trust Ron Zook. I think this defense will be good. And Ben Benucci may be in line for his best game. And I said that last week, right? But when you're in the XFL, what motivates you? AJ McCarron, it's his kids. Plays better when his kids are there, right? Ben Benucci. Is he going to have the moment that solidifies him as an MVP, Zook? Am I making the right play here by going money line? Yeah, money line's great. Right. That's, well, that's what we're doing. We're going two-leg teaser. I don't know if you can see it on the screen. Solidifies him as MVP. Yeah, so, listen, I know you're a, you're a Dragons fan. If you look at the betting odds, he's on there. And this is a quarterback award, right? We know a QB's getting it. It's a statistical thing. You don't have people watching, like voters, whoever's doing this. I don't know how they're going to give the MVP out. I assume just the XFL will decide. But you're looking at stats, and he's racked it up. Sure. Yeah, the turnover. <laughs> he doesn't stats. get Zook's vote, I guess. No, he doesn't. He's not even in my top five. What if he comes out and balls this week, though, in Dallas? Can he throw for 300 and zero interceptions? That's all I want. Yeah. Stop turning a ball over. Stop just, I don't know, whatever he does. Sometimes he just drops it and gives it to the other team. Yeah. Got to learn how to slide and throw it away. But the good news here, Seattle with an opportunity. They see it. We saw them wake up against Houston. They slept walk through Orlando. Opportunity here. They know Arlington is the worst team when you look at the playoff race. Seattle with a chance to get five straight, go to five and two. St. Louis has a tougher game. On the road in Houston, Seattle knows. This is the week, if any. Remember, they're going to meet each other in week nine. This is the week, if any, to get the game up. Because then you go to 5-2, and two, St. Louis drops to 4-3. and three. All of a sudden, the head-to-head doesn't matter. Will both teams hold serve? This is going to be interesting. Motivational spot for Seattle. I trust Jim Hazlitt. I'm going D.C. money line. Yes, get all over me. I know, this is minus 1,200. I don't even want to know what it is. Yeah, when but this, you, this is a parlay best bet. Yes, though. once you combine these two bets, right, this is what I'm getting to. Okay. You can get this at minus 120 or 130, depending on where, when you get it. I locked it in at minus 120, just for full transparency. That, is, that qualifies for us as a best bet. You can go minus 120 or below. We don't want to take, we don't just want to say, oh, I'm taking DC money line. Obviously, that's, that's a layup. But you can get this, and I haven't done this all season, but it, it preaches to what I was saying. We don't like 10. I would lay it anyway. I've laid it on the side. It's not a best bet. Seattle money line, DC money line. I'm also taking San Antonio plus three. I'm trusting my power rankings. I'm trusting that the Vegas Vipers have imploded this season and given up. And the San Antonio Brahmas have something to play for. I'm going Brahmas. They're getting me a steal there with plus three. Zook, we talked about it. It's going to be painful for you to root for this, but it's a smart play. Again, it's, this is all about best bets and making right. money. That's right. And even though I hate it, I wanted to stay away from it so, just so I didn't have to root. Um, but uh, why not keep riding? Last week you had the minus three. 
Zook sat here and enjoyed himself. Not a single sweat. Meanwhile, I'm watching Seattle lay a nine and a half with a pounding headache because they can't get in the end zone. And he's sitting here like, what are you doing? This, was, this, look how easy this was for me. That like, was so comical. You were like. <laughs> and uh, Seattle was the early game, too, which made it even worse. I had to sit here for three hours after I lose and watch him just kick back and relax and not have anything to worry about what, as St. Louis pounded Vegas. Why don't you chase that bet on St. Louis? No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. And then, boom. Uh, hey. We're talking right. about full transparency. This did happen. I'm four games above 500. You're two. So anyways, I, like I already said, I like a money line. I'm going to take the points. Yeah. It's called the best bet for a reason. Uh, go ahead and tail that. Cash in on it. This number is inexplicable. If you want better Why? odds. What, what is three here? I mean, this, is a, this should be a pick em, right? If you want better odds, take the money line like Mikey. I think for the first time all season, Mikey Manziel has chosen to not fade the show that he's on. I know. Is he learning? It took him 24 games to learn. 0-6 fading us. I don't know. Him making this pick makes me think, did I do something wrong? This is reverse psychology by Mike. He's He's in your head now. (laughs) He's in your head now. You hear that, Mike? He's got Reverse psychology. Maybe if I tail Zook, I'll bring the curse with me. I mean, he should. I'm 4-2. We'll see. I don't, I don't get superstitious, but <laughs> when you lose as bad as Mikey does, I would stay away from whatever he bets. That's our best bets. We got Piper's Parlay plus 5.70 this weekend. Seattle Moneyline, talked about that. Going to move from the plus three in the San Antonio game. She likes the Brahma Bulls. And St. Louis Moneyline. So, Piper kind of taking the best of our picks together and combining it into a parlay. Piper trusts us. We trust her to deliver plus 570 great value for Piper. Something new on the Thursday night edition of tonight's Spring Ball Boulevard. What do we call this? Let's, let's call it Maddie's Mailbox. We, get, we drove down to the post office here on Spring Ball Boulevard. We collected all the mail. And this is what you guys sent in. I opened up to questions on Twitter. We want to interact with you guys. And I'm actually, I, I glanced at these, but I didn't read them. So I wanted you guys to get my reaction right off the cuff instead of having a well thought out scripted answer. So surprise me, Zook. Who do we have up first? I'm just going to read them off the screen. Just Riley. What's up, Riley? He says, if you had to choose the most pro-ready quarterback Outside of Bankert in the league currently, who are you taking? So we had a most NFL-ready category in our Freshie Awards. A quarterback was not nominated, and I don't think, I think that was for good reason. It's tough, right? Let's go through them. A.J. McCarron, no, because he left the NFL for this, right? Took a pay cut. It's going to pain Zook. Ben DiNucci, you have to consider. No, that's a no from Zook. It's not Jordan Tamu. It's not Luis Perez. It's not Brett Hundley. Man, who else do we got? It's not Silvers. Is there a quarterback that's ready for the pros? I don't think so, Matt. It's Danucci. If anybody. He's played in the NFL. He started in Philly. It didn't go well. Let's also remember AJ left so he could play. But that's why I can't. He could go back. 
and yeah, be a backup know, in, a, in an instant. But we know he's pro-ready, but he's not even trying to get back to the NFL. He doesn't, he doesn't want to play in the NFL. But the question isn't, is, does yeah. he want to go back? I know you're hitting me with the spin zone here. Sorry. How about De'Ara King? De'Ara King, the next Lamar Jackson? Come on. Outside of Bankert, I mean. He's getting no guaranteed money. Quentin Dormady? <laughs> no. I just don't think. Paxton have, Lynch. I don't think we have one. I really don't. Anybody hurt that we're missing? No, not really. I don't think we have an NFL-ready quarterback. Ben DiNucci. That's who I'm taking. I have to take one. Riley wants an answer. I'm taking Ben DiNucci as much as it pains me to say, because remember, this is not a pro-style offense that he's running in right now. So he's not going to be expected to throw it 50 times if he gets thrown into a preseason game. I like Ben DiNucci a little bit better under center, getting a handed off a few times. We're going to go DiNucci on this one for you, Riley. Let's go next question. Bill's Reddit. What's up, Bill's Reddit? Which coaches have surprised you the most, good or bad, this year? Reggie Barlow is the good, right? A lot of you thought, okay, let's look at experience versus inexperience in this league. Came in, Bob Stoops, coach in XFL 2020. Jim Hazlitt, former NFL coach of the year. June Jones and Ron Zook on his staff. Both guys who have been head coaches. Over almost 100 years combined of coaching experience in Seattle. So when you're talking about surprises, the coaches that came in new. Rod Woodson, Heinz Ward, Reggie Barlow, T-Buck. The other three haven't impressed me. Reggie Barlow, on the other hand, did the right thing and hired great assistants. The James Franklin from Penn State effect. Just get great assistants, become the CEO and the vocal leader of your team, and you will be successful. Reggie Barlow's the good one. Who's the bad? Bob Stoops. I mean, we talk about almost every week I thought Arlington was a championship contender. I actually had them at number two behind D.C. in my preseason power poll. What has happened? I have never seen Bob Stoops not have a good offense. And this trickled in a bit back in 2020. I, at Landry Jones, their starting quarterback, was back, banged up a little bit then. But they, they came into the season. They had Drew Plitt and Kevin Anderson. Plitt was shaky. Anderson hasn't seen the field yet. They added Sloter late. He, he's now gone. And now they're in desperation mode with Luis Perez, probably going to get to start down the stretch. But we've seen OCs fired in this league. Dwayne Taylor, gone. Uh, the San Antonio Brahmas had Jaime Elizondo demoted. Um, T-Buck has not been happy. He's gone back and forth with who calls plays in that offense. Bob Stoops has not made a change, and that surprises me. You're going to get rid of Kyle Sloter. I know Jonathan Hayes is your boy. But come on, Bob, this is not a good football team. Bob Stoops has been, and I hate to do it to him because he gave us a shout out in week one in the press conference, but and Bob Stoops would admit it's not been good. And, and that surprises me. I thought they were going to have a great team. Let's roll right into the next one here, Zook. From Jerome. What's up, Jerome? Do you think DC will have a slight rebuild after this year? So many good players. Who will get a shot at the league? Does it worry you for next year? I, I get what he's saying. Okay. Uh, Jerome. It's tough for me to think in a year two when I've got all this on my plate. You got the potential playoff game in Audi Field, potential championship run. What, what, what do we make of the XFL in year two? Do we want to take a second and talk about this? Um, I know Jim Hazlitt said in the roundtable, his goal is to have an entire new team because he wants his guys to be good enough that they go to the NFL. Interesting point. Is this DC roster necessarily loaded with NFL talent? Look at the positions. 
Jordan Tamu, Derek King. Tamu, we've seen him in NFL training camps before. NFL, once they evaluate you, how many more chances are they willing to give you? I don't know. Abram Smith is a guy who will be in the NFL next year, right? So that's a huge loss. The receivers, you got some guys that are maybe built for some roles. Lucky Jackson, Chris Blair, maybe. The offensive linemen are good. Davin Bellamy, probably a guy that's getting to the league. Francis Bernard. Michael Joseph will be in the NFL. Yeah, now that I think of it, probably lose the kicker, Matt McCrane. Now that I think of it, yeah, it does kind of worry me a little bit. But you'll always have what I think is going to happen with the XFL, which is there's going to be players that come out of college and want to play immediately if they are not drafted. And they don't want to sit around on a practice squad or they don't want to take a futures deal. So there's always that next class. And I trust Vaughn Hutchins. Shout out Vaughn. Love what he's done with DC. I trust him going forward. I trust this staff. Greg Williams, maybe back in the NFL. That would be a big loss. I think Barlow and Kais will stay together. We can keep Greg Williams. I think this is a potential dynasty for DC going forward. Really getting ahead of myself. Zook's rolling his eyes. Six games in. I've already called it a dynasty. Let's I go. wish people could Shields hear. up. I wish people could hear my eyes roll. I did. And I, wasn't, I was looking out of my peripherals. So that's what I got, Jerome. I'm not too worried about it. I just want to win a championship year one so I can finally cut this hair. Look at this. I said I would cut my hair until DC wins a title. Got four weeks to go. <laughs> Brian! Whiskey dong. All right. We got a little uh, frick, Mary kill here. So this is how I approach this one. This is the one that I did look at because it was a complete curveball. So thank you, Whiskey Dong, for sending this one in. Frick, Mary Kill, AJ McCarron, Ben DiNucci, Luis Perez. Here's the approach I took on this one. I had no idea how to answer it. So we phoned a friend, Caroline, who knows more about football than both of us do sitting here. Uh, don't know who her XFL team is, but I just know she knows these quarterbacks. So I reached out. Caroline, who do you got for this one? She also tweeted. <laughs> Gonna frick Danucci, marry McCarran, and kill for ass. What, what have we made? We've made a mess of the show. Actually, though, if you were going to answer this question, I think that's the best. And here I say I had no idea how to answer it. I'm going to agree with Caroline. AJ McCarran, hot wife. Gotta marry him. Uh... I'm not going to analyze this. We're just going to let it on the screen. That is what we'll go with. What a way to end Maddie's mailbox. And we hope that means you'll send more questions into our mailbox so that we can read them to you. You had a bunch of great ones from Mike Ryan and a bunch of great ones. Tweet me at MaddieFreshTV. You can't always look at the live chat, so make sure you send them in on Twitter. Zook, we hit the lucky episode, right? 13 in the books. Uh, we're not going to skip 13 like they do in the elevators at the hotels. But, wow. I can't believe we're in week seven of this. It's gone so fast. We did not have a bye week. And what has been the biggest storyline of the XFL season so far? My DC defenders, the XFL North has a great playoff race. And are one of these teams in the South about to shock somebody? Could we see a complete turnaround in San Antonio or Arlington? Could we see a complete collapse in Houston? Who is a championship contender? Is anybody going to be let go? 
as a head coach, T. Buck, Rod Woodson, year one. Is everybody going to have fun is the most important part. We are. There's meaningful games down the stretch. And we remind you here on Spring Ball Boulevard as we roll into Friday Night Lights tomorrow, there is no such thing as football season. For Mikey Manziel, another Mike and Mike Ryan, Chris Zook in the control room, I am Matty Fresh. Take it easy. Enjoy XFL Week 7. And we will see you here on Monday night. Adios. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.